0: It's so great to be here. Thank you guys so much for welcoming me here. Um, thank you, Pastor Eric, and Giovanna. That you know, 22 years—that's awesome. That's a goal right there. I mean, my my family was here earlier today, and they um, at the first service they have to run back. Is uh, they own a dance studio in in uh, North Austin, Leander, Texas. Um, they have auditions this weekend, so they made the dra- drive drive la- late last night, 2 a.m. They got in. They made the first service, and they're back to work. So. Um, I just want to open up in prayer before we get into the good stuff. And so, um, Heavenly Father, God, just thank you, Lord, for today. Thank you for waking us up, first and foremost. Thank you so much for just community. I know that this past year and a half has been just so crazy, but we've adjusted and we've overcome, and we've believed and trusted in you throughout the whole process, and we are back, and we we love it, and we love just being with each other. Um, I ask you, Lord, that... You just invite your presence, your Holy Spirit, into this place right now, Father God, that you talk through me. Um, You know, I believe that you've given me a story that I did not ask for, but um, part of being a Christian is following you no matter what, for the plan that you have in our lives, um, not our own plan. So Father God, just thank you for today. Allow everything from me to be from you, and that anything of me or of the enemy die right now before yeah, it goes to these fine people. And we just want to say thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, hello, Timber Grove. I know that I'm being live streamed to you um, right now. And so um, so glad to be here. Thank you guys for having me. I want to just introduce first um, a little bit about my story. You know, before I give you the word and tell you about my sermon that I prepared, um, the sermon means so a lot to me because it actually applies to the hardship that I've went through and how it really got me through it. And so I first wanted to recap. Um, of course, I'm, I'm sure a lot of you have already known about my story and we'll watched the documentary called Outcry. And then I also did a, a Q&A with Pastor Eric here during COVID and uh, we dove deep into my story and talked about the elements that were involved. And so just to kind of recap, I am Greg Kelly. I'm from Leander, Texas, north of Austin, Texas. Um, I love Texas. The last... Last year I've been up in Eastern Michigan, Uh, Pastor Eric actually made this video before um, I decided to enter the transfer portal and come back to Texas. So I'm no longer playing football at Eastern Michigan. I made a tough decision to come back home to continue to be a husband um, because that's my priority. Um, I figured that out a year going and playing football that um, it's no longer my identity. I mean, I, I love it, and I play football, and but it's something I get to do. I'm blessed to do. It's not something all I have. And so being 26 years old now, um, I am still a football player. I want to continue to play football. I'm going to UT in the fall. I'm continuing to... Texas Longhorn out there in the back. Go, Horns. Um, Aggies, I'm sorry. Um, but, look, I, I'm going to UT. I'm going to finish up my degree. Um, and I... But, but the thing I'm I'm really... Excited about is just being back home with my wife and being a husband. Um, at one point, I did not know that I was ever going to be one. I didn't know if I was going to have a kids. I didn't know if I was ever going to walk down the aisle and see my beautiful bride. And and we were just holding on to each other with hope and faith that we were we we're going to eventually get to that day. Um, and we were in the middle of a nightmare while, while while we were doing it. And so I wanted to first just tell you a little bit about a little bit about my upbringing. Um, um, the first picture I want to share with you guys is a picture of me playing high school football. There I am, number two. Um, I was about a buck eighty-five. I'm sitting about two seventeen now, uh, so you can only imagine that getting back into football was kind of tough as far as doing the movements. I play strong safety, so just doing the back pedals and flipping the hips—it was—it was—it was a new experience for me because I'm a little bit more mature. My body's more developed. I did not stop working out while I was in prison um, and after I got out. So. Um, I enjoyed playing football. I loved being the all-American kid. I uh, played football all the way up until my senior year in high school. Um, and then I got falsely accused of a terrible crime, um, the most frowned upon crime in humanity, really. I mean, it's one of those crimes where you, you you see it on the news and it just quivers you that somebody can be able to do that. But And everybody was thinking at that time that when they saw that news broadcast that I did it and because the news was portraying me out to be a monster. And so you can tell how difficult it was because being 19, 20 years old, living a life that um, I never thought that I was gonna be in prison. I did not know that one week I was playing a seven on seven spring game, and the very next week I was getting put in handcuffs and having to go into the Williamson County Jail and be labeled something that just absolutely derailed my life. That right there, is enough adversity for three lifetimes. And so I thank God that I, re- I saw the other side of it. And I thank God that I have, I had a family that fought every inch of the way to get to where I am now. Um, I have, a, I have a, a group of friends in a, in a community, perfect strangers that stood up and fought for me because what they were hearing and what they knew from the investigation, they could not sit down and be quiet about. And so um, I give my heart out to them for fighting for me and saving my life. And so there I am, 18, 19 years old, I get falsely accused, I'm waiting for the justice system to do the due diligence and give um, give me my right to due process. And I come to find out that during that one year as I was patiently waiting to trust our system to find out that I'm not the guy they actually continue to target me and I go to trial with absolutely no evidence against me. I go to trial and get convicted solely on a testimony of a child. And I'm not putting anything against that. I do believe that children are mistreated and abused but at the same time, I'm constantly telling this detective that I did not do it. I did not do it, I did not do it. You got the wrong guy, you're doing the wrong thing, you're targeting me. and. He stuck to his guns and continued to pursue me. Uh, never went to the crime scene, never did an investigation, never took pictures, never uh, interviewed anybody else at the household that I was staying at. Um, did not turn over a lot of stones that should have been turned over. Um, so I got, I got falsely accused a year later, wrongfully convicted, sent to prison for 25 years. Um, my life over, scholarships were stripped away. Um, I mean painted a monster, completely divided my town. So the half of the town believed I did it, the other half believed I didn't. The ones that believed I did it, they kind of were being really disgusting and rude over social media to the people that were fighting for me and that we were trying to hire in private investigators and attorneys to, to seek the truth in the whole thing. But nevertheless, nevertheless, Jesus was faithful throughout the whole thing because Going through the prison process, I had to adjust. This next picture I wanted to show you was a picture of me and my beautiful now wife, Gabri. Um, she, I mean, she's uh, I remember in my exoneration speech, if I want to fast forward to my exoneration speech in 2019, um, every time I look at her, I, I, I explain to people that she's a woman that only exists in movies. Because if you think about our story, you know, the all American beautiful blonde waits and just waits and fights for the person she loves and trusts. And throughout this whole process, she was out in LA doing her thing. She's a commercial dancer. She worked in the dance industry out in LA and while I was in prison. And I believe she dealt with a lot more hardships than I did while I was in prison because she was attached to me. And at that time I was being painted a monster and she lost a lot of friends, a lot of jobs, um, people looked at her as a pedophile lover, um, some of the words that she was called. And so she's got thick skin, but she also has a heart for the Lord. And I love her very much. And she was, uh, her and I are married now. And I, I couldn't say that I've, I've, I've ever been happier, honestly. And so the next picture I'm going to show you is after three years of fighting for the truth August 22nd, 2017, I was released from prison on bond. We had an evidence hearing August 2nd and it lasted about three days. And August 22nd, I was finally released from the Williamson County Jail. I had been bench warranted back from prison two months prior and there was my whole family and it was crazy. I mean, it was like it was like a rush to like me getting released because we had no idea. I had no idea I was being released. I was getting released like at 3 p.m. that day And I found out that a judge ordered me to be released at 1 p.m. that day. So within two hours, the whole news station and my family got together and was like, Greg's getting released, right? And finally, I mean, at the time we were like, we'll believe it when we see it. Cause I've already been, I've heard that like many times now. So I'm just like, okay, if it happens, it happens. But it finally was happening. I remember uh, the sheriff coming to get me from my, my pod upstairs in the county jail. And he's like, hey buddy, you got an attorney visit. But this time he was smiling and I was like, oh man, what would you happy about today? He's like, oh, nothing. And so he's like, uh, he's like, yeah, you're going to go to attorney. So I turn around, try to put my handcuffs on through the bean chute. And he's like, oh, you don't need those today. And I was like, really? And then he's like, yeah. He's like, yeah, go, go down to your attorney visit. I'm like, all right, cool. So I go down there and I sit down and now something's up and I'm starting to kind of get nervous. And my attorney comes in with a piece of paper and it says on that paper, it says immediate release. And, you know, you made you made bond. And I was like, I didn't know what that meant because bond, like, I didn't know what that meant because I, I, I'm i not charged. I, I've been convicted. So he's like, you made an appeal bond. And I was like, the, the, the judge, the county judge um, agrees with your evidence of innocence. It's now going to go to the CCA and you're going to be out while they make a decision on your case. The CCA is the Court of Criminal Appeals, the highest criminal court, whatever they say goes. So... I then have to rush upstairs and pack up my stuff and, and, and there I am. I'm walking out to my family and everybody. There's my dad in the wheelchair I and mean, the picture's gone, but my dad was in a wheelchair. My mom was there and, and um, there, they are. there they are right there. Uh, my dad was in a wheelchair at the time. He's no longer with us, but uh, I got to be out on his last days and uh, we were all together there as he, uh, he went to go meet Jesus uh, and be with him forever. My mom's there, Jake's there, a beautiful bride's embracing me. Um, just an amazing day. We eventually, we immediately went to the lake house, Jake's lake house. I went surfing for the first time, got up first try, wake surfing. Um, Jake's like, okay, athlete. And then, um, we, we ate some Rudy's barbecue. Um, just had a great time and celebrated. Now, a few months later, next picture I'm going to show you is that day right there was in Cabo San Lucas, December of, um, 2017. Um, it was the day that the judge of uh, the judge Donna King of Williamson County agreed on all of my claims. I had six claims that I was going to send to the, uh, the Court of Criminal Appeals. She agreed on all of them. And she agreed on the most important one, the sixth one, which was the actually innocence claim. Winning an actual innocence claim in the CCA is like winning the lottery. So it was a big deal. And it was a, it was a, it was a day to celebrate. And I had my ring with me. In Cabo, I was like, if 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 something, if I know the time's right, I'ma do it. So I told I told her I told her dad I, I was like, hey, you mind if I ask your, your your daughter to marry me today, the next five minutes, right now? And he's like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. And so so uh, he, I I we go on the beach and everybody knows except Gabriel and the documentary crew was there too. So that's another you know, perfect time. The, the documentary wanted to see me and Gabriel on a vaca- our first vacation when I got out. So I finally got on the one knee and did this little, sp- I was the most nervous I've ever been in my life. I mean, I it was, it was I don't know, it was just a bunch of emotions, but I finally asked her to marry me. And that ring that I'm holding up to her right there um, was all of the money I had in my bank account that I that I that I worked hard for on Jake's land on his ranch. Um, I was his ranch hand. And um, that ring completely drained my bank account. And that's all I had. I had no money to my name after that, but it was worth it. And so (laughs) my next couple pictures are me being exonerated November 26th, 2019. So 17 being released, finally exonerated, 19. Two years of waiting for the CCA to make a decision if I was gonna go back to prison, if I was gonna get retried, or if I was gonna be exonerated. Those are the pictures. That's me shaking uh, Judge Donna King's hand on my exoneration hearing and gave my speech. New chapter of my life started as a free man. Next picture is me finally getting married to my bride. We finally got married January 19th, 2020 right before the pandemic hit, thank God. Uh, I heard about terrible stories about people missing out on their weddings and having to change dates. And then people just go into courthouse and just like, let's just do it, you know? So thank God, I mean, he he set it up. And uh, that day is so, so special to us, not just because we finally tied the knot and started this new chapter in our life, but it's an also a day of God's promises being fulfilled. It's God's day. It was literally God's day of showing to the whole world that love conquers all. And so the next picture I'm gonna show you is me honoring a man. His name is Reyes Mendieta. He um, is about to be 50 years old. He's been in prison since he was 15 years old. He's from Austin, Texas, and he is my spiritual father. And I wanna honor him today because some of the things I'm gonna be talking about in my sermon um, are gonna be coming straight from him. Uh, things he taught me, things he discipled to me. That was my Paul when I was a Timothy. Um, He took me under his wing. He does a lot of preaching and ministry in prison. Um, He has a theology degree. Um, But at one point he was a gang member and he was one bullet away from him dying when he killed another gang member during a shootout in Austin, Texas. But uh, he's a guy that I honor very much. And uh, so when I start this, Sermon, I wanted to just introduce myself and my upbringing and people that mean a whole lot to me. But I wanted to read a quote first before I start. And it's from C. Joy Bell C., a um, very famous woman author. And she says that there are two kinds of people, those who choose to throw out all the good cherries and wallow in the rotten ones, and those who choose to throw out the rotten ones and savor the good ones. So that's just a quote about perspective. And that's a big thing that I had to uh, use while I was in prison. I chose to not give up uh, regarding the circumstances. I chose to allow the prison experience to grow me and challenge me because quite frankly, being challenged is the only way we grow. It's the only way we change. So the um, if you guys have your Bibles, um, we're gonna read from Luke eight today. It's the parable of the sower and the four soils. Okay, this parable is super important to me because when I was in prison, my first job, um, when you get into prison, right, you, you, you go within like a, 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 a CC or like a, a, a panel of people who are gonna give you a job title. And I became a farmer and harvester. They asked me what you're good at. I'm like playing football. He's like, well, you can't do that in here. What, what else are you good at? Hard work. I like to work hard. And he's like, all right, well, you're gonna put, you're gonna put in the field squad. I was like, sounds great. It wasn't that great. So I'll tell you what, but it, it taught me the gift of hard work. And the parable reads, Luke 8, 4 through 8, Jesus was ministering. And he says, while a large crowd was gathering and people were coming to Jesus from town after town, he told this parable. A farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell among the path. It was trampled on and the birds ate it up. Some fell among the rocky ground, and when it came up, the plants withered because they had no moisture. Other seeds fell among the thorns, which grew up with it and choked the plant out. Still other seeds fell among the good soil. It came up and yielded a crop a hundred times more than what was sown. When he said this, he called out, whoever has ears to hear, let them hear. So when I was in prison, I got the job of a field squad. Right? It's a job of agricultural work. It's going out into the fields, grabbing a grabbing a hoe and a shovel, and getting out there for 10 hours a day while the sun's beating on you, and just planting and harvesting. And so, whenever we were out there, and like I was new to the whole prison thing, and uh, I was learning along the way, they would get us out there at like 6 a.m., we would pile up in a wagon, there'd be like 150 guys, and we would just go out to the fields, and some of us would be in the onion patch, some of us would be in the potato mounds, some of us would be in the jalapeno patch. And we to that day, we were actually doing something called broadcast seeding, which is, it's a form of seeding where farmers actually go out and grab a handful of seed from a bag and just throw seed wherever they can expecting to produce a crop right And there's other uh, forms of seeding like precision seeding and hydroca- hydrocast seeding. it's all different type of agricultural stuff and you know the type of work that we were doing, we had to deal with a bunch of different soils. that's how we had a hoe we had to cultivate the ground and sometimes we were dealing with soil that had rocky that had rocks in it, soil that was really shallow some some soil had weeds in it and some of the soil was really good to plant in. And I actually enjoyed the work. I really did. But the goal in the whole process of my job was to make sure that as much seed as possible could get to the good soil. I didn't, I, it wasn't, you know, if I was a farmer, it wasn't my fault that a seed touched a rocky ground or it touched, you know, a, a, the path where we were, you know, dragging the wagons or dragging the tools. Um, it was literally just making sure that I, I just threw the seed and it touched the ground. That was the whole goal. So when Jesus was telling this parable, right? He, all, the, all the disciples asked him like, what does it mean? Sometimes Jesus doesn't give the meanings to the parables because he's trying to challenge us. He's trying to dig, dig deep. And he says, the meaning of this parable, the seed is the word of God. Those among the path are the ones who hear. And then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts so that they may not believe and be saved. Those on the rocky ground are the ones who receive the word with joy, and they hear it, but they have no root. They believe for a while, but in the time of testing, they fall away. The seed that fell among thorns stands for those who hear, but as they go on their way, they are choked by life's worries, riches, and pleasures. They do not mature. But the seed on good soil stands for those with a noble and good heart those who hear the word, retain it. And by by persevering, produce a crop. So whenever I think of that last sentence, but the seed on good soil stands for those with a noble and good heart, those who hear the word retain it and by uh, persevering produce a crop. That reminds me that writing the words of God on the tablet of your heart is the only way to be a good soil. What it means by that is he, I wanna now explain um, how whenever I was in prison and I was reading this, I was actually in the day room with my buddy Ray Ray and we were doing a Bible study. And during the time of, there was a season where we were um, planting um, hay and we were uh, were reading this parable. And I was like, you know what, man, that's kind kind of like the stuff we're doing outside right now. He's like, you know what it is. But at that time in my life, especially the first year, prison was really, really hard. The prison conditions are a lot of conditions a lot of people don't know about. I'm just gonna give you an example of some. Whenever you go in prison, um, and, and especially in Texas prisons, it's extremely hot. It's 90 plus degrees all year round. It's crazy, cause like they don't have ACs in prison. Most prisons don't have ACs and it's a red brick. So whenever, uh, Whenever we would, uh, and in the summertime, of course, there'd be no cold air. So we would just be sweating 24 seven. And then during the wintertime, they do have heaters. Ironically, they have heaters and they turn on the heaters to 90 degrees. So it's 90 degrees all year round. Just so, but that's just temperature wise, right? We're uncomfortable when we're hot and sweaty. So it was extremely uncomfortable. But then again, the violence aspect of it, not knowing, especially what I was in there for, I had to watch my back. Each and every day, I mean, I, there wasn't a day that I did not sleep with my shoes on, because I did not know what was going to go down. There was not a day that you know I had my head on a swivel, making sure that nobody was going to hurt me. And it wasn't a day where um, I wasn't actually not scared. And uh, so, going through all of that and those conditions and all of the hate and the racism and just the being uncomfortable, um, those conditions are extremely tough to get through. And so when we reread Luke 8, 11 through 15, where Jesus is telling the, um, the meaning of this parable, I'm gonna break it down for you. See, verse 11 says, this is the meaning of the parable. The seed is the word of God, okay? The seed is the word of God. So if the seed is the word of God, then the farmer must be God, right? And so verse 12 says, those among the path are the ones who hear. And then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts so they may not believe and be saved. This reminds me of a time in prison whenever I would go to church and there'd be hundreds of people in the pews. And we would all be worshiping God and we'd be having a great time and we'd just be in his presence. And there's no better place than to be in the presence of God. It literally separates us from every other worry that's on the other side of those doors. And so whenever we were there, I would sometimes look around and see everybody praising and worshiping. But then again, I would look in the back and I would see some people doing some type of weird stuff. They were back there trading drugs, maybe money, maybe some pornography. Um, And I immediately just connected that with hearts that are on the path. The path is very dense. The path is not accepting of the seed. The path is a place where seed cannot root and germinate and grow. So guess what? The birds of the air come and eat it up. It doesn't even get a chance to grow maybe it rejects the word and they're there for the and it's there for the wrong reason. I believe some of the, some people come to church for the wrong reason. Maybe because their significant other comes to church or because they're there because they feel like they need to in order to please God and live the Christian life or some people just flat, flat out just don't accept God. The Bible says that he would rather have us hot or cold not lukewarm. If you're hot, that's great. He knows he can trust you and be a steward of his word. But if you're cold, he said, that's cool too. At least I can work with you. If you're lukewarm and you're a believer and you come to church, but you live a life totally different on the outside those doors, then he can't work with you. You've been compromised. He cannot work with you. He cannot use you. So it's funny that the path is in this passage but God still throws seed on the path. It goes to show you that God is not a respecter of persons. He's going to throw seed on the path. He's going to throw the seed on the, the, the coldest of hearts, just like he's going to throw seed on the full blown out believer. That's how, that's the God that we serve. Then you got verse 12. Those among the path or are, are those among. okay, so sorry, got lost here. John, I want to, I want to explain John ten ten. It states that the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it full. Um, I always always use this and and it, it didn't hit me until like maybe like when I was exiting prison and I was learning this specific scripture and applying this in my life and fully meditating and praying on it, that God doesn't necessarily come and kill us. He doesn't kill the physical in us. He doesn't want to kill us. He wants to kill the thing that grows us to be the men and women that God wants us to be, which is his word, his seed that gets planted in our life. That's exactly what the birds do on the path. In verse 13, it says, those on the rocky ground, which is soul number two, are the ones who receive the the word with joy. And when they hear it, they you know, have all this joy, but then again, they have no root. Other translations in the Bible state that this soil is very shallow, right? This soil is very shallow. And whenever, if you ever planted a seed and the soil is shallow, roots cannot grow deep into the soil. It cannot be nourished. It still springs up though, but it doesn't produce a crop because it's not being nourished. This is maybe a person in prison that goes to church, of course, for the wrong reason, but still is a believer. But whenever we go to the chow hall right after church, chow hall of course is 105 degrees and everybody is shot to the chow hall at the same time, all of us from church. So all of us just got done praising and worshiping the Lord. And when we go to the chow hall, I ended up finding myself in the middle of a riot one time. This is people from church. Like in the middle of a riot, and on the in the corner of my eye, I couldn't believe it. On the corner of my eye, I just see this guy get hit over the head with a pitcher, and I'm being I'm being completely raw with you. I, I had a, I had a, I had a conversation with Pastor Eric. I was like, hey, you know, um, like what 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 do you think I should bring? He's like, well, you know, these these people are wanting the raw truth. I was like, oh, I can do that. So on the left on the corner of my eye, this guy gets hit with a pitcher. And it just starts a huge riot because, of course, the guy on that got hit by a pitcher is in a gang. And the guy who hit him with the pitcher is also in a gang, in a, in, a, in a rival gang. And so they're doing their thing. And I have to get up against the wall. And it's completely crazy that I'm witnessing these guys just come from church. And so these are the same guys that were hooping and hollering and praising the Lord. But their heart was rocky. They sprang up really quick. And they got to the child hall with smiles. And laughs, and they left bloody after just a riot. Maybe in today's world, when we come to church, we uh, we don't have a foundation. You know, the Bible says that that a house built on a sand will fall. And whenever we don't have a foundation, we can't be built upon. And verse thirteen, the third soil, or Verse um, verse 14, sorry, the third soil. The seed that fell among the thorns stands for those who hear. But as they go on their way, they get choked out by life's worries, riches, pleasures, and they do not mature. This one's really important to me because I felt like I was categorized in this soil when I was in prison. I was scared. I didn't know if I was going to, you know, be out when I'm 44, and, and people wouldn't judge me for it, you know? People would be like, man, I'd probably be in the same situation. I don't know how you went through it. I don't know how you're you're sitting here completely sane. I was in a box for um, a, a year and a half, and I was in population for a year and a half. Um, they put me in segregation, and I was in a five-by-nine cell by myself for a year and a half. And all I ha- had was letters from my family, a Bible, and, and I talked to God a whole lot. And people asked me, why are you still sane? I said, because God keep, kept me sane. You know, I, uh, it was completely crazy because at the same time, I couldn't stop worrying about my family. I couldn't stop worrying if I was going to go home. I couldn't stop worrying if I was going to be safe, if I was going to see tomorrow. And I couldn't stop worrying if, man, they're ever going to find the truth. But at the same time, I kept clinging on to the Lord for peace, for peace, for peace. And he was doing something inside of me that was casting away all the worries. I was maintaining his presence. See, whenever we, we give thankfulness to God, we invite him into our life. We invite his presence into our life. And so each and every day, I chose to be thankful for the life I still have. Every, each and every day I chose to tape scriptures to my walls and my bunk and be thankful for the life I still have. And each and every day I chose to continue to advance my life and just live the best I possibly could live in the circumstances that I was in. So I was that soil that had a bunch of worry and, and maybe some people don't worry as much as others, but maybe sometimes they grow idle to their riches and their pleasures and maybe to Instagram and Facebook and Netflix and Hulu. Sometimes they idolize things before God that becomes most important to them. And Sunday is just something they can go to 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 please God and please the people around them because we've got to be Christians and we've got to uphold that image. That's the third soil, but thank God for the fourth soil. Man, thank God for this fourth soil because this soil right here is the soil that God promises, promises us. This soil right here is the reflection of God and his word. This soil right here is a good servant. But most importantly, this soil right here is the soil that hit rock bottom, that cried out to God. This soil right here was that 19-year-old kid on his knees, on a cell, in his cell, on his bunk, crying out to God. And it got to that point, but the seed, verse 16, but the seed on good soil stands for those with a noble and good heart. Those who hear the word, retain it, and by... Persevering produce a crop. It was, um I was, I remember whenever I was um, sitting in, a, in prison and all I wanted was a relationship with Christ because that's all I ever had. When you go into, that's all I ever wanted. And when I go into prison, when you go into prison and you get, you go through diagnostics, you go through a process um, where all they give you is a new set of clothes they give you uh, your necessities, and they give you a Bible and you have nothing else. You don't have pictures, all that gets sent to you. You don't have a radio. You have to buy that through commissary. You don't have a fan. You have to buy that through commissary. You don't have commissary, right? You don't have food. You have to buy that through commissary. But your pure necessities is your clothes, your bar bar of soap, some toothpaste and a Bible. And I laid it out all in front of me on my bunk. And I sat there and I I thought it was really interesting that they included a Bible as an item of necessity. And so when I picked it up and I started reading it, I sat there and and I had nothing else to do. I didn't have a phone. I didn't have Instagram. I didn't have Facebook. I didn't have somebody I could text. I mean, I didn't have Netflix. um, I didn't have TV. I didn't have anything. And I sat there and I read, just hoping that I can get my mind off of what's happening to me. First year in prison our first week in prison. And I'm reading the Bible cover to cover in three days, 24 seven, it's a long book. It's a very long book. And of course I didn't retain anything. I just wanted to get entertained and it was so great. You know, it kept my mind off of, but at the same time, God was planting seeds in my life that I did not know were being planted. And guess what? While the three years of me being in prison, other men came along and watered that seed. They came along and nourished that seed through the word, through Bible studies, through loving me, through accepting me. And so Ray Ray is one of those guys. And when I sat there and we talked about this verse, verse 15, but the seed on good soil stands for those with a noble and good heart who hear the word, retain it. And they they, they produce a great crop. I sit there and I I asked Ray Ray one time, I was talking to actually Pastor Eric last week preparing for the sermon. And he said, you know, the Bible just kind of tells us that this is like a a type of soil that's absent of the other factors that the other soil had. absent from that. And it's a good soil that can produce crop. But whenever three years prior, and I was talking to Ray Ray that one time, I said, hey man, what do you think that means? He's like, you know, Greg, I think... It means intention and separation. Intention and separation. What does that What does that mean? He said, "Man, intention means that you have an intention. Your heart is seeking God's face 24/7, and you have been separated from everything that tempts you to be the other soils." And so, when I sat there and we were we were celebrating Reyes' birthday a couple of days later, I remember we were just sitting there drinking coffee at the table in the day room, and he. I asked him, what what are you grateful for? It was his 45th birthday. What are you grateful for? He took off his shoe. He took off his sock. And what he was grateful for was this little tattoo on his foot. And it said D-O-A on it. It's a little tag, like a cattle tag. It said D-O-A on it. That means dead on arrival. At one point, he believed that that was his lifeblood. That dead on arrival was respect for him. He was a crash dummy in a gang where he was being told what to do by a shot caller, And every day he sees that tattoo, and he's 45 years old, have probably brought over hundreds of people to Christ has a life sentence. And he always tells me that it's okay if I spend the rest of my life in here because I have no more fulfillment in this world than to know that I'm going to heaven and I'm bringing a lot of people with me. Deal away, dead on arrival. Like how thrown off do you have to be to believe that. And he said, I'm very grateful that I've developed an intention to seek God's heart and have been separated from the life that I had before so I could become a Christian. I was separated from the things that were tempting me, that were poised into my brain and I've become something new. In John 16, t- Jesus tells us to take heart, not to worry because he's overcome the world. But he also tells us in Proverbs that to guard your heart because out of it flows the issues of life. These four soils represent hearts. I want to lastly just close with a story about my buddy Thomas. Uh, Thomas is another buddy of mine. And he told me a story about a guy here in Houston. Um, And I thought it was so cool. A guy had a limousine service and brand new, bought a limo, and he wants to be a limo driver. And he got a new one, and he just had a fresh paint job on it. It's sitting in his his his, park, uh, his driveway. And he's got a brand new paint job. He's coming home one day, and he sees his daughter bending over in front of the bumper. The water hose is running, and he can tell the, the car is, like, wet. And But he sees his wa- his daughter crying in front of the car, and he runs over there thinking that she got hurt and maybe bit by a snake or something. And he walks over there. He's like, honey, What's wrong? What's wrong? And she looks up at him and says, daddy, and she's crying. It's not coming down her face. Daddy, I tried. I'm sorry. And he looks at the car and there's a big scratch from the garden hose on the car. Brand new paint job. His heart is completely broken looking at her. And he just gives her a big hug. And he says, honey, it's okay. You tried. Thank you. That was an amazing gesture. You tried. We can fix this. You can have another try later on. And so the moral of that story was, he told me at one point, he's like, you know, it's okay if we scratch Jesus's paint job because he's always gonna give us another try. It's okay if you're the soil with the rocks and the thorns, right, and you don't let the seed grow at first, but with an intention and in a separation, right? The Bible says that the iniquities, right, in this life will separate us from God. Well, the type of separation I wanna have Is a separation of the iniquities. Now that doesn't mean try to run from sin because I want to be a better Christian. It's about embracing the love and grace of God so I can become sinless. So intention and separation, that's the moral of the story here on the four soils. Now the big question is, which soil are you? Which soil do you want to be? Just want to pray for you guys. Um, thank you guys so much for allowing me to bring the word. Um, Father God, just thank you, Lord, for this day and be able to tell my story and just, man, just tell you, tell people about you. This is a life I honestly at 19 years old didn't ask for. Going through all the hardships and the nightmares, I didn't ask for any of it. But part of being a Christian is submitting to your will that you want for our life and just taking the punches and rolling with them. And knowing that your will in our life is is making us the person that you want us to be. It's making us not live easier, but to walk through this experience, this gift you've given us with you. And there's no other place, no better place and no other life I wanna live, but with you. So challenge challenge us to be the good soil in this life, to produce a crop that then we know that good fruit produces seeds. And we know that you're a diligent farmer and you're going to seed every soil and cultivate cultivate it until it becomes good. We just wanna say we thank you and love you in Jesus name, amen.